Well, Merry Christmas. Good to have you guys here and uh, great to be walking through this week with you, right? This is Christmas week, uh, just a huge time for us to celebrate um, our Savior come to earth for us. And uh, so, hey, we're in the second week of a series and uh, the series is called Christmas Council and uh, Christmas Council. Let's learn a little bit from those walking through the Christmas message and story themselves, right? So last week we learned a bit from Joseph, and uh, this week we're going to be learning a little bit from the wise men. We're going to continue with the story in Matthew chapter 2 there. So we're going to be right at the beginning. Matthew 2 verse 1 is where we're starting. And our whole point today is just to say, Lord, teach us what you'd have us to know through the example of the wise men, how they interacted with you, all right? So turn with me there, if you will, Matthew 2 verse 1. We got the ushers coming forward, and uh, they got Bibles in their hands. So we're going to walk verse by verse through this if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. All right. Just keep your hand raised there and they'll get one to you. Matthew two, verse one. So, uh, learning from the wise men. First thing we need to learn. First point, uh, wise men grasp that not everyone is interested in worship. Uh, wise men grasp that not everyone is interested in worship and, uh, some get who Christ is. Some are excited about that. Some don't. And uh, we need to be walking through life understanding that. And we'll talk a little bit more about it as we break it out here. Let me just read starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod heard these things... Uh, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. So this is the wise men and they're, they're on a trip. They're on a journey. They're, they're getting some advice and counsel on the way. They're, they're digging into scripture and more. They're, uh, they're looking for one to worship Jesus Christ. It says now, after Jesus was born and uh, how long after does your Bible actually say how many days, weeks, months or years after? Yeah, if it does, throw it out. OK, uh, it says now after now after Jesus was born, it doesn't say exactly probably somewhere in the uh, year and a half to two year time frame. If you look at Luke, when Herod is trying to resolve the problem, he ends up going after all children two and under. All right. And so there's some element of that in there. Also, uh, Jesus was called an infant just uh, just before this. But now that uh, we're in chapter two, he's referred to as uh, a child. It's a different Greek word. It tends to imply toddler, like growing up some. All right. And we also notice that uh, when he gets there, when the wise men get there, uh, they're actually in a house now. Okay, so there's some transition of time that's occurred. All right. It says now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king. Okay, that's a moment where it's supposed to send a, send a shiver down our spine. All right. Herod, the king um, was was a nightmare. Herod, the king was ruthless. Herod was a guy who would kill anyone who threatened his reign and rule. All right. Uh, Herod killed his own mother because she threatened his reign and rule. Herod was known and notorious for murdering anyone who got near his rule. So as this thing unfolds, it's now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, uh, behold, okay, we talked about this word last week, right? That word means check it out. 
or like, hey, what's about to come is unusual. It's unusual, right? It's a great phrase to say when you see the word behold. And uh, so try it with me. What are we supposed to say? Yeah, it's unusual. All right, that's unusual. So here we go. Get ready. I'm going to need your help. Uh, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, I agree with you, uh, wise men from the east came. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? What's so unusual that wise men travel? Is that what's unusual? No. That they came from the east? No. What's unusual is wise men, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. These wise men were coming, and their statement is, we're coming to worship. We're coming to worship the new king, all right? And if you hear it, they actually say in there, we're the king of the Jews, all right? That is going to bristle the hair on Herod's back. And I'm sure he had a lot of hair there, right? It's one of those moments where it's like, the king of the what? What did you just say? Right. And it's going to stir them up. All right. And um, the concern is that Herod might be losing his position. At least that's Herod's concern. And we're going to see that unfold. And as we continue here, uh, let's just make sure we understand the word wise men, wise men. So uh, this is a phrase that actually uh, you hear the word magi. OK, that's basically right from the Greek. It's uh, that's what it looks like. It's the plural form of magi. All right. And uh, so what's a magi? I have no idea. Right. We're like, I don't know that name. And uh, that's not a job you really try for in the United States. Right. Uh, what are you going to be when you grow up? A magi. Right? That's not where we had. Right. So what is magi? And so here's the bottom line. Got a picture where they're coming from and what's happening. All right. We have them coming from the east, it says. So you have like the Mediterranean sitting right here and Jerusalem right next to it from the east is coming. These magi, these people who are about being wise. And, uh, they did a life of, um, studying dreams, uh, of studying stars. They were astrologers, not astronomers. They were astrologers. In fact, in Deuteronomy 18, 11, it says, don't do what they're doing. Okay. Don't be about it. These guys were not necessarily followers of God at all. In fact, they looked at the realm of nature and dreams and stars and whatever around them. And they tried to learn more of what was going on from it. Not often followers of Christ. Behold, pretty appropriate. Wise men are coming to worship the king. Dream readers and astrologers are coming to worship Christ. Are you hearing it? It's a big deal, man, as these guys are transitioning. Now, they're coming from the east, it said. And in fact, this phrase, the wise men, it's a phrase that was used somewhere else as well. It was used up in the, by the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians. Okay. It was, so it was up in kind of the Northeast away from Jerusalem. That's an area where they talked also about wise men. In fact, some 600 years earlier in the time of Daniel, right? You remember the story of Daniel. There were times where people were reading dreams and interpreting dreams. And Daniel was even asked to be one of those wise men. All right. And that's some of what was going on. There's a good chance these guys came out of the Babylonian area. Uh, everybody say just a good chance. All right. I'm not sure if that's where they come from. It doesn't say that, but it's a guess. It's a good guess, possibly that that's where they come from. I'm not saying I know that it's a guarantee. Please everybody hear that. But, but there's a good possibility. And here's something else just to connect to it. All right. Daniel and those same wise men 
were informed about 70 weeks and the importance of these 70 weeks. In fact, what it really meant is each day was a year. And so it ended up 490 years. It was talking about a period of time. It said it would start when Jerusalem was declared to be rebuilt. Okay. Now at the time of Daniel, that was not possible. Why? They're all in captivity. They're trying to figure out which way is up and, and they don't know what's happening. But some 150 years later, the time of King Artaxerxes, 445 BC, all of a sudden he says, it's time to rebuild Jerusalem. Okay. And if you go some 400 plus years later from that, guess what? The time of Christ would have been exactly what that dream of 70 weeks was talking about. The coming Messiah, the King, and all of it locking in. It's amazing some of the subtleties of the detail. I won't go into all of it. But even a simple thing like in the, in the first part of it, from the declaration of Jerusalem, 49 years and it'll be finished. Guess what? 49 years later, Nehemiah finished the wall. Like it's a big deal. This 70 weeks and the dream and what was going on, huge and important. And it was being shared up in Babylon amongst the wise men and shared down from generation to generation for 400 years plus. Can you imagine as they now get to the point where they're like, hang on. If the dude's going to become king in like 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, he must be born soon, right? So now you start watching for indications. You start looking for something. And remember, they're wise men, so they look to the stars and to dreams. And they're watching the stars. And they see, it says, his star, the wise men, uh, from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star. Are you hearing it? There's a good chance that these guys were connected to something that had happened in your Old Testament, 600 BC with Daniel and some of the dream being recorded. And this is the fulfillment thereof. And they are sitting here going, we get a chance to be a part of that. Oh, I'm so in on that. Mount the camels, right? And now we're headed back West and, and look, it's sitting over Jerusalem and, and that's what's going on. Okay. So these are the wise men. Uh, often not following after God, but in this case, coming to worship the one who would be king of the Jews. Praise God. Behold, an amazing thing taking place. Uh, they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They're like, we're close. We know we're close. Does anybody have any ideas as they're asking more and more questions? It says, when Herod heard this question, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. He was troubled. He's like, king? I thought I was king. What is this going to be now? Somebody's trying to take it away from me? Oh, no, they didn't. There's no way that's going down, right? And, and so all of Jerusalem troubled with him. What is that nut going to do? That's what's going on. They're not troubled like a new king? Oh, we don't want a new king. We love Herod. He's such a great guy. That's not where they are. They're like, don't upset it. Right? Who knows which way this thing's going to go? And be careful of him. And he kills anyone who threatens. And do you know how bad it could go for us if? That's what's going on. Please keep that to yourselves. Uh, Herod and all of Jerusalem struggling with this information. Uh, It says, so Herod does an action. Assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people. Uh, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. 
They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. They had an answer. He's like, hey, chief priests and scribes, all you guys in Israel are supposed to know what's going on. Come here. Everybody collect up. Question for you. Where should the Messiah be born? That's the answer, or that's the quiz question number one. What's your answer? And they're like, oh, oh, that's easy. That's in Bethlehem. Dude, you knew? You knew. You're like in the know, and yet not in the know. You completely missed that it just happened. And wow. And so the chief priests and scribes giving an answer, and I love this piece, at least they understood. They quoted scripture, Micah 5, 2. It's Bethlehem. How do you know? And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means among or the least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. There will be an answer. And uh, that answer will be Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah is going to be born. And uh, the one thing they didn't have was the calendar and the working of God in this world. But they did listen to the scripture a little bit. Notice what it says right after it. So Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them when the star had appeared. Can you imagine the awkwardness of that meeting? There was this big public meeting before and they were all talking it out. Now there's this big hubbub all over Jerusalem. And he's like, come here. I need to hear from you guys with the doors closed. When exactly did this start? Do you think that would tip him off that maybe something uncool was about to come down? Right. And and so they're hearing this secret meeting and they're hearing the questions. It says, and he sent them to, to Bethlehem. Check that out. Now he sent them. Really? Dude, they packed the camels before you. They were on their way looking. Right. And now you send. Have you ever met a guy who wants to feel like he's in charge when he's not really in charge? Right. It's like, all right. All right. Here's the plan. You, you go to Bethlehem and look for him. Oh, there's a genius idea. We're on that one already, but okay. So he's telling them, go to Bethlehem. He says, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word to me that I too may come and worship him. Question. I need a single answer to it. Did Herod really want to worship Christ? No. Capital N, capital O, no. This was not about worship. Not by a lot of the followers in Jerusalem. Not by uh, the chief priests and scribes, not by Herod, all right? The wise men, they were on a journey to worship the king. They were coming across many who were not in the same plan. Um, many of you know we, uh, we bought a puppy recently, and uh, it's a little dog. I mean little. Like four pounds is... We're giving him some credit there, okay? Four pounds. And uh, this little dog is hilarious. Little black dog runs around, and he's gotten his voice a little bit now. He's learning to bark a bit. And uh, so he hops around. His ton of energy, like all in or sound asleep. That's how he lives life, right? And uh, so we ended up saying we would watch another dog this week for somebody that's out on vacation. So we have a four-year-old dog at the house now. And uh, so the four-year-old dog um, has the little one. Ours come running up to it. And, and it's yipping and jumping and teeth, right? The little 12-week-old, 14-week-old teeth. And uh, this dog is like not having any of it. You know what I mean? She gives the growl back the, like, dude, back off or I'll eat you, right? 
And, uh, and he's just yipping and jumping and biting her at her tail and pulling. And, and so this dog ends up jumping up on the couch to get away from our dog. You got to see a little four pound dog pushing away animals and scaring them. Right. And so he's jumping all over the place, kind of scaring it. This dog gets up on the couch and backs up and he's not big enough to jump on the couch. So he jumps and hits like halfway and falls repeatedly, <laughs> repeatedly. And just keeps yelping and barking and nipping at her feet. And as he does, she goes, now if it's me and I come near a dog that's giving me the, I'm like, and we're done, right? Stepping away, giving a little space and not our little dog. Now he's a ding dong, has no ability to contemplate, right? Discernment. The dog lacks discernment, right? And, uh. How much, though, is that like us when we interact in this world and we completely lack discernment about whether someone really even wants to be doing the thing we want to be doing? Are they worshiping Christ like we want to worship Christ? Are they with us as we head down that path? Are you hearing me? Like discernment. As we go down the path of worshiping Christ, how often are we with people who are like, don't want to have any piece of that. In fact, I'd train wreck that part of you if I could. And uh, be careful. My simple request as we look at the first part of this story is this. Um, the wise men had to stay on task worshiping their God despite those around them who may be avoiding Christ or looking to even do worse. All right? You have friends. You have family. And they may not know Christ. And here's my request. Love on them, yes. Care about them, yes. But be careful. Leaning on them when they don't understand how to worship him is bad discernment. It'll tear you down. It'll distract you. It'll pull you away from the one thing you need to be about worshiping your king. All right. So yes, sharing. Yes, caring. No to drawing a sense of direction and strength and energy from them. Uh, Friends, real friends are built with those who have common goal. Worship of your king, Jesus Christ. All right? Really be careful about that. As we're in a season that's all about rallying with friends and rallying with family, and man, it is about loving on them and caring on them. Please do that. But please be cautious and make your God your number one. Everybody hear that? Big deal. So simple question. uh, What might your distraction be? Who might your distraction be? That pulls you away from worshiping your Christ. Makes it more about them or something going on in this world and not about him. Be cautious to that. Make sure your God gets everything. Okay? That's number one. Number two. Wise men recognize God even in humble settings. Wise men recognize God even in humble settings. And uh, we'll just start out here in verse 9. After listening to the king. You hear that word, listening? Uh, That's discerning listening. Not after just believing the words he says, but after truly listening, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, what are we supposed to say? That's unusual. All right. So get ready. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, I agree with you. The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. What are you telling me the star moved? Are you telling me that there was some unique thing going on and 
And, and so somehow they were directed to, how did that work out? And I don't know. It doesn't say how. I do know this though. Behold is a word attached to it. Check it out. It's unusual. It's a divine moment. God's doing something huge. And man, I've already seen two or three specials on TV trying to explain this or debunk it and say it didn't happen. Just know this. Your God's hand is all over it. And, and somehow working with what was deemed to be a star in some way, he made clear which specific house. Wow. God doing some amazing stuff as he communicates. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly. Isn't that what we're supposed to respond like? As we move through life and we see God's hand lead, as we watch him work, maybe it's in the most humble of moments, but somehow your God's doing something powerful right with you, communicating to you the next step you should be working on, the change in heart you should be having, the worship that should be going down. Rejoice. That's our answer. The next answer has to be, thank you, Lord, for guiding. Thank you for making clear what you want done. Rejoice. Uh, It's that simple. It says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, her mother, his mother. The child in the house. And this one verse puts a lot of things in there about, remember, we had talked about how many uh, days, weeks, or months had passed. Child, a little bit older. And they went into a house and there's some establishment of life and living that's gone on now with Mary and and Jesus and big deal. Um, They rejoiced. Uh, They recognized God's hand leading. They saw the work being done that was changing and shaping their lives. And they made much of their God. And uh, question, how are you doing with that? Making much of your God in the midst of the small stuff. Uh, Each of our lives, we'd say, "Eh, it's not that big a deal what's going on today or tomorrow or next year, right? What is it taking place in your life? Don't consider it so small that God wouldn't meet you right there and make an impact. And uh, the wise men, they were smart enough to be able to perceive their God in the midst of very humble settings. We just threw these pictures together. Let's throw the first slide up. And uh, this is a picture of a house right around the time of Christ, all right? And so the one on the right, that's if it was like built just outside the city limits. They would build it a little more rustic, uh, kind of like a little mini log cabin-ish thing, right? Notice there's one door and no windows. That's the house, man. And like if you can fit five to ten people in there, way to go, good job. That's packed in, that's the house, right? And it provides shelter, and that was it. That was kind of a outside of. And the one on the left, that's more of a, if it were in the city, maybe a little bit more in size. Notice it's made out of something that's a little bit more solid, kind of having a rock-like almost feel to it as it dried out. And uh, notice there's two windows and a door. Going big time now, right? And so this is the typical size of a house. When it says that they met Mary and Jesus in a house, it was like this, man. There was somehow a star pointing to this humble setting and they walked into the house and saw the king of the Jews, the king of the universe, and they got it. They rejoiced that that was their king. Big deal in the midst of humble settings. Let's just throw the next slide up. So this 
This is what Herod was living in. When they approached Herod to talk to him, this is where they were at. Monstrosity of a, of a monument to a man and more, right? And this is almost like a temple. It's so huge. And this is Herod's home. And they're leaving that guy going, ah, we're going to go meet the king. Are you hearing me? Big deal. And uh, they were able to see through the facades and through what this world would deem important and see what God's deeming important. The small, the humble, maybe even the broken settings in your life that God is screaming into and making an impact in your life. Man, our God so cares to meet us right where we are. And he teaches from those humble moments. What a big deal. And here's what I love. Get this. Yes, Jesus Christ, king of the universe. And he will be coming back to reign and rule. Revelation 19 to the end, man. He has it together. He will put all things under his feet. Our king will reign. First, he comes humbly, sacrificially, as a servant. In a home like we were just looking at. And God was at work all the more. May we look for the humble in our lives. May we look for the small in our lives. May we look for God making an impact on us daily. And may we respond to him. Rejoice. Your king is working with you. Okay. So first is make sure we understand not everybody's about worship. It takes some discernment to be able to grasp who's in and who's out, who gets it. And be cautious who you declare friend there as you partner. And uh, number two, make sure you rejoice even in the humble settings. Uh, number three, wise men worship even in the humble settings. Wise men worship him even in the humble settings. Okay, first is about rejoicing. Now it's about worshiping. Are you noticed the repeating phrase, even in the humble settings? That's what the wise men came to do. These guys have it going on. They've got popularity. They've got wealth. They're declared wise. Does that ever work for you? Are you walking into Walmart and they're like, oh, wise one, right? And like, that's what these guys were called, man. They were reflected upon as wise. And uh, in the midst of it, now worshiping is where they're headed next. And uh, let's just look at verse 11 here. Uh, They walked into the house where the child and Mary were. I'm sure they knocked first. It says, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They fell down and worshiped him. Their posture reflected what was going on. They walked into a house. Can you imagine now? Where the God man Jesus Christ was. Can you imagine that? And this one to two year old. There was just something different about him. You know what I'm saying? And the glory that beamed off of him. And the the temperament and character of this little one. God man. And and Mary herself working with him. And it just drilled them. And dropped them to their knees. As they fell. And worshipped him right there. Can you imagine being Mary? Where you hear the little knock on the door. And you open it up. And wise men drop. 
that's unusual, right? And it, and they're worshiping your child, the king of the Jews, the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. They worshiped him with all they've got. Well, what does worship mean? Worship uh, means to know him and to adore him. To know him, like to grasp more and more about him and to adore him, to thank him, to praise him, to appreciate him. That's what it looks like to worship. And, and man, these guys didn't know that much about Jesus Christ, right? They did not know about his miracle working, his word giving, his hope giving. They did not know about his cross sacrifice. They did not know all of that. They just knew this. They had the privilege To be a part of something God was doing and they weren't about to miss out on what he was calling them to and through. And so they were on their knees saying something huge through this little one. And we worship him. They knew him, at least at that level. And they adored him with all they had. They brought some gifts, uh, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And uh, so this is the point where people go, see, I knew there were three wise men, right? And they're guessing that because of the types of gifts, the gold and the frankincense and myrrh. And it's possible that there were three. We certainly know there were more than two, right? It's in the plural, so there were at least two or more. That's what we know. What we don't know is how many more. And uh, But we do know they came packing gifts, man. They packed gold and frankincense and myrrh, right? Because what two-year-old doesn't want that, right? What weird gifts, isn't it? And at some level, you're like, dude, you're horrible at gift giving. And what were you thinking about? And... Uh, where's the little toy that they can kind of wind up or do something with and run on the ground and and these gifts reflected his kingship these gifts reflected his importance and priority and and so they brought uh, wealth of different kinds gold and frankincense and myrrh and uh, all of these would have sold for high dollar okay so at the least they're bringing that uh, is there some significance to the gold frankincense and myrrh it doesn't say here Some have guessed that, like gold, because kings are about gold. And so this is reflecting his kingship. And frankincense, it's it's a like an incense and a covering and because he's about covering us and our sin and myrrh and you know that's an embalming and it's something used during death and maybe it reflects there. Could it be those? Could be. Could it be not those? Could be. We don't know what the purpose of those gifts is at the least. It's because they were worth a lot. You hear what I'm saying? They were giving huge amounts to their king. That's what was going on. And uh, in the midst of giving here, note this, they gave from what they had, right? And that's an important note. God shared with them. They had gold and frankincense and myrrh. They had other stuff too. This is what they chose to pull off the shelf and be putting in. And they brought it along to give it over. They were giving from what God had given to them. Giving of their first fruits of sorts. And they're sharing out. And uh, what a huge worship moment. As the king of the Jews was made much of by Men who were very foreign to that land. It doesn't, we don't even know if they spoke the language, man. Maybe they just fell down and worshiped because they couldn't talk to them. We don't know what was going on. All we know is in the midst of this, men from a foreign country, uh, well-to-do and uh, certainly insightful, grasped that this one, Jesus Christ, was to be made much of. 
And that's what they did. Wise men worshiping Jesus Christ. And uh, hey, I love the worship that we have going on around here. I love when we do a, what we call an impact service on Sunday mornings here, right? And we rally together and uh, we start out with some music and we worship him in the music. And there's at times there's just such transparency with you guys as you're singing and tears in eyes or hands raised. And what do we do that for, man? And uh, well, Psalms calls it out, right? To lift up your hands and raise your hands to him. What is it? There's a sense of vulnerability. You're saying you're drawing from him. You're saying you're about it. May you be worshiped. And and there's a worship that goes on during our music here. I love it. And uh, we make sure that the music we choose, that Larry's choosing and walking through with us is very specifically lifting up our God to be worshiped. All right. Now we worship in music. And then we get to an offering time. Sometimes we applaud for it, right? Sometimes we just pray over and what's going on. But the point is this. We have the privilege of giving back to our king. And offering, that's what it's about. You've given to me. And so now I'm giving back of my first fruits to you, right? That's what our offering is. It's a huge worship. Please hear me. You're not giving to the church when you do that. Uh, The best request we can give you is give to your God. And we kind of standing in the gap here to say, Lord, we want to go right where you want it to go. We want to pour into the ministries you want poured into. This isn't giving horizontally to another man. You're giving to your king and we worship him in that moment. That's the difference between collecting money and doing a worship and offering. Huge deal. We worship in our music. We worship in our offering. And we worship as we spend time in his word. Our God has much to say. And he's given it to us in his word. May we hear of him. May we listen to him. May we long to respond to him. May the word teach us the truth of who he is. And then shape us and move us forward. Hey, just so you know, I didn't say this in the first service. But just so you know, when we're going through the word, uh, three things we're going for. Uh, Inform the head. Stir the heart. Challenge the will, right? That's what we're going after. Inform the head. So we're going to walk through the passage and see what the words mean and how they come together and then stir the heart. And we're going to talk about some illustrations and some real life stuff and what's it like. And man, let's get after that passionately and then challenge the will. So how about you? So where are you going with that? That's what we go after during our word time. May our God be worshiped as we spend time in his word. May our King Have our full attention as we sing, as we give, as we learn. That's an impact service. That's just a little bit of what we're doing here on Sunday mornings. I love seeing you guys come in for that, pour in for that and go after it. Even when the weather's looking a little rough and you're here to say, my God will be worshiped. I love it. And uh, worship, simple question. How's yours? How's your worship going? How's your knowing him and adoring him? I don't know, Tim, I'm not sure I really even get that. In fact, I'm not sure I'm really kind of excited about that. And uh, I hear you on that. I appreciate your transparency. Think of it this way. It's an area to be growing in. It's an area to be learning in. And uh, if you're not getting it right now, my request to you is simply this. Then ask your God to blow you away this week. Lord, I want to be stunned by who you are. Anything that needs to be set aside that I might know more of you and that I might pour back the thanks upon you and praise you. May I worship you 
the one in charge of this universe. Please wake me up to whatever I need to do. Yeah, I've tried that, Tim. And um, that ain't happening. All right, I'm going to be really direct then. Then something's in the way. There's sin besetting and dragging you down. Something about self has become more important. And we've got to learn to set it aside. Your worship will ignite when you recognize it's no longer about you. Right? How often we go to prayer and as we pray, our prayer becomes, Lord, do this for me. And all of a sudden, it really becomes a me worship. God, I want you to be all about my stuff. Big problem. We need to turn that back around and say, Lord, it needs to be all about your stuff. And whatever I need to set down and whatever's going wrong or going on in my life, whatever small stuff to big stuff, I'm ready to set it aside. I want you worshiped in my life right now. I'm telling you, God will meet you in that one. He will rock your world right there. You will be stunned with whatever it is you find about your Christ in that moment that you've been needing to hear. My prayer is that you meet your God, that you know him and that you adore him. Whether it be in posture you're taking on where you fall on your knees, the gifts that you give, the attention you give him, the longing you have for him to be made much of in your life. Worship your king and watch God blow you away. I'm telling you, it is real. It does happen. He meets us right there. Trust him. Lean in. Hear from your God. Okay? Wise men, they get that not everybody's about worship. Wise men, they rejoice as God is leading them, even in the humble things of life. Wise men, they worship the king of the Jews. They worship the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. And number four, wise men. Wise men are blessed with God's guidance, even in humble settings. Wise men are blessed with God's guidance, even in humble settings. Uh, big deal here. Just notice the close, starting in verse 12. It says, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Being warned, how? In a dream. And remember, we're talking wise men. And so their thing, as they were in Babylon or wherever, was it was all about the dreams that came down, as it was all about the stars that were made clear. And God's like, I'll meet you where you're at. You want to be looking at dreams and talking through that? I'll talk with you. And God met them and walked them through and made it clear. Now, was it one dream to one guy? Did every guy have the same dream? Did they each have parts? And when they put it all together, they got it. We have no idea. All we know is God communicated with them. And uh, what I love is our God is reaching out to communicate with us. And uh, please be careful with this. All right. We read the Christmas story and we're like, great. So I've been looking for a job. I'm going to choose the company where the star doth set upon it. And afterwards, I will wait for God to speak to me in a dream, and then I will know. And uh, everybody say, that's a bad plan. All right, that's not how God communicates. And look, we're learning of something where the word behold is used twice. That's unusual. That's the story going on here. Be careful. Yes, our God principle, our God communicates with us. 
And he's longing to make clear who he is. Man, has he given you something clear to do that with. Reach deep into his word. Hear from him as you walk through the scripture. What is he teaching you to know and say and be about? What is your God longing for you to take steps with? And then as he works within the consequences of your life, as he brings people into play who can bring more of the word out, whatever it might be, let your God lead. Word first, word always, and then moving with him from there. You'll be amazed what God has to do and say in your life. Um, That's our king. And uh, so let me just kind of pull it together like this. We have a God who, when we trampled on his glory, could have chosen to remove us all. But instead, he chose to restore his glory. He chose to come to this earth and make a replacement payment available for you and for me. And the reason we celebrate Christmas is because our king, who will reign, he will absolutely reign with all authority and power. Revelation 19, he is coming again on a white horse. He will put things right. He will set everything where it belongs. And he will rule over all mankind for all eternity, over all of the universe. That's our Jesus Christ as king. He saw fit first. To come as humble servant for you and for me. Can we see now why pride is so offensive? Humble servant for you and for me. Man, may we worship that God with all we've got. Fall on your knees. Adore him. Know him. And long to know him all the more. That our king might be worshipped. And all of God's people said, let's pray.